Thank you, Kathy, for that extended reading. I'm sorry that was so long, and I want to make sure that you, Kevin, understand that there's a point to where I'm going and including the Job and Noah stories in a confirmation survey. So, <clears throat> may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You see, we cannot live <clears throat> and cannot be what God intends us to be if we're not in the state in which God intends us to live. When God created the fish, God spoke to the water. And when God created the tree, God spoke to the earth. The fish without the water doesn't live, and the tree without the ground can't survive. But when God created man, God spoke to himself and said, let us create man in our own image. Like the tree and like the fish, without living in the presence of God, we die. And so, don't be offended here with my Job sermon, right? You see, actually, one of the primary challenges against our faith, especially uh, launched against us by the non-believing community, is there's no visible proof of your God. <clears throat> you know, wouldn't God at least reveal us, reveal himself, if he wants us to know that he exists? Wouldn't God take up residence in some palace in the Middle East someplace where everyone would acknowledge God is God and could see that he exists and know that he's God and therefore avoid going to hell? Wouldn't a good God do that? And you say your God is good. But I contend to you that the Bible makes the opposite case, that God does not reveal himself precisely because to see God would doom us all to hell. That the death that we get when we view God's holy presence isn't just merely dying mortal death. If God were present in all his power and glory, we would worship and obey out of sheer terror of his might and fear that we'd be sent to hell. In other words, we would be good out of fear of punishment, not good for goodness sake. Our motivation would be totally self-centered, not because we love God or love his laws or because we're thankful for the cross. None of that. Fear leads to our self-centered attitude, which is precisely what leads to hell. If God were present on earth, even though all our actions would change, our hearts wouldn't. We would still think, I'm doing right, so God must bless me. This is salvation through our own works, as though we could impress God somehow, 
and not changing our hearts. Our hearts only change through the radical love of the gospel. And it's not knowing that God exists or knowing that hell exists that save us. It's a matter of how we feel about God that affects everything else in life. The lesson from Job may seem strange for confirmation, but bear with me. You see, I totally came to faith myself for the wrong reasons. I sort of viewed God as the great cosmic vending machine in the sky, that somehow if I knew the right prayers and did the right things, God would bless me. Fortunately, in my case, God applied discipline. And rather than being like that vending machine, it was more like the cosmic bell snickle, if you know the Berks County reference here. Um, and I frequently got the whip, not the orange. So, um, and this was a good thing, because like Job, it caused me to reevaluate my ideas. You see, Job had a warped view of God, which distanced him from God. Because of this, God had good reason to say, say to Satan, have you considered Job? Knowing that by so saying, Satan would sift Job. God wasn't merely trying to win a bet with the devil, as is often presented in this story. I believe the book of Job was written precisely to those who desire to follow God, not to the lost. And therefore, it's an important message for the church today. I also selected a reading about Noah from Genesis 6 to kind of oppose the view of, of Job, juxtapose it. You see, both men are described as righteous and upright men, men of their times the best men in their generation. But it's also quite possible for a non-believer to be a good and moral person. The difference, only Noah walked with God. This message is just as important to us today. You can live a good and moral life, but still miss the point of the gospel. We are saved by grace, not of our own, but a gift from God. And this is what sets Christianity apart from all others, because it simultaneously makes us equal. We're all in need. We've all fallen short. We're all saved only by a gift from God, and we're all beloved by God. And don't miss that love. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, many will come and say, we prophesied, we healed, we cast out demons in your name. But Jesus says he will send them away because he never knew them. You see, even the non-believer can do good things. Even the one that doesn't know God's love. Being good doesn't make you right with God. If you're not, if, uh, if we're not walking with God, what is our motivation then to be good? If we're focused on earning our way into heaven, we miss the whole point.
because we end up sitting in judgment of our fellow man that doesn't try, rather than in love with the man despite his many problems. And you see, Job believed his blessings flowed from being good. It was all about his works, his formula to access God's blessings. The reading suddenly bears this out. Did you catch? Job sacrifices so that his kids don't lose the blessing. When he loses everything, eventually, Job doesn't cry out to God, rather he cries out about God, being careful not to curse God in the process. But you understand the underlying feeling in Job's heart here is to curse God. He's just careful not to because he doesn't want to ruin his chance at the cosmic genie's lamp. Later in the book, Job actually lists for the Lord all of the many impressive things that Job has done. And Job has done many wonderful things. But that doesn't impress God. The story of Job is our world without the gospel. Can there be anyone on earth anyone on earth that tries harder to win the approval of God than our neighboring friends and Muslims. They pray five times a day, and in outward appearance, Muslims appear far holier than many of us. But they live without the gospel, without knowing the love of God. And Job is following his own works and is lost in the idea of earning God's favor. This is called moralism. You see, Job fell away from God in the opposite way we usually think about falling away. Usually when we think about falling away, we think about the prodigal son who's lost in hedonistic living, lost in drinking and gambling and wasting money on sins and pleasure, but there's a second son. And I can tell you he's just as prodigal. Maybe the title of that chapter should be the prodigal sons, not just one. The other son is lost in moralism, and moralism is the opposite side of the same coin. At least the hedonistic brother realized what he'd done. We call it hitting rock bottom. And it's perhaps a blessing of hedonism that rock bottom exists. But imagine being angry that the hedonist has recovered and realized the error of his ways. Imagine being angry that your brother is no longer going to hell. Imagine being angry that the Lord reaches out to the lost, to the tax collector, and the prostitute, and those rejected by society. Imagine being angry that the addict or homosexual might be, might be saved. The thing is, it's harder for the moralist to realize he is prodigal. The moralist believes he's never left God, that all he does is for God, that he isn't like the hedonist that God favors him and that he's earned his salvation. This is what the Bible means when it talks about pride. 
and pride will lead the moralist beyond the realization that he's just as lost without God's grace. Jesus described people like this as whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled with rot on the inside. By and far, during his ministry on earth, Christ didn't attempt to reach them. God needs us to realize that he is personal. He desires our love, not our sacrifices. That is, not the works of our hands. Eternity is reserved for those who live beyond themselves. We can accomplish so much more when we realize who God is and who we are. And this requires love to come first. And this love changes everything. Kevin, can you be changed and reflect the certainty of knowing that you are loved by God in every circumstance life throws at you? You are now charged to be a visible expression of that love in this world. Don't forget your ever-present need of God's grace. We all need it. No one here is saved more than another. And never lose sight. All of God's children are special to him. Jesus didn't just hang on the cross for the moralist, for the good boy, but also for the devious. Never lead others to feel or believe that they are anything less than beloved of God. That is the charge of Christianity. Amen.